You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Episode 4 of the Get Tucked Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Tuck O'Leary. I hope everyone is doing well during their quarantine. Times are crazy, but hopefully we can start to get back to normal life soon. There are going to be some announcements in regards to the Fit for a King tour schedule coming up in the next week or two. And for the time being, please keep listening to Breaking the Mirror. It is on Sirius Radio, so if you go out for a drive, maybe request it. Hope that it comes on. Shout out to Jose for hooking that up. But you guys have been crushing it. We're super happy. So thank you for listening to Breaking the Mirror. Also, if you didn't know, my side project, Offered Minivan, has released three new songs called You, Supernova, and Vampire. They're from our upcoming release, Swan Dive, that's going to be out May 15th on Tooth & Nail Records. It's from our first full length, and if you have a moment, please go save those songs on Apple Music and Spotify. It would be a huge favor to me and my bandmates. So please, you probably have a minute or two. Go do it. This week's guest on Get Tucked is Jared the Mountain Easterling. He is the founding father of Fit for a King, and I'm very lucky to get to watch him slam buckets night after night. We get into the full history of Fit for a King during this episode while also laughing about 90 Day Fiance far too much. So please welcome to the show my friend Jared Easterling. Jardash, how you doing, man? It's me, your boy. Talking awesome, man. It's my good to hear man. From you. The it's tallest, the tallest, beefiest, strongest, most jumpinest member of the band, which people actually don't know is Jared actually has the best vertical in the band. But people you know, wouldn't know that. I can jump a, I can jump a little bit, but the only difference between you and I is I feel like I've got some height on you. So yeah, there like may be foot. some great, <laughs> there may be some great areas going on there. I, I had a kid actually respond to me this morning because I asked people for questions for you. And, and he was like, well, how does it feel to be a foot taller than everyone else in your band? And I was like, dude, you're really not that wrong. Like it's, it's pretty <laughs> close, uh, you know, give it a take like four inches. You're mm-hmm. a foot taller than us. But, yeah, it's it is it is kind of weird, but it's whatever. It's it's <laughs> what God gave us, right? Absolutely, dude. God I have, bless. I'm, 
<laughs> I've been playing uh, Call of Duty on Xbox quite a bit, and I have this this group of guys that I've been playing with. And one of the guys saw a, a picture of us. Uh, I think I think I posted from the band page, just just a promo of us. And they go, dude, are you like a you just like a, a freakishly tall? And I was I convinced him. I was like, no, I'm five nine. And he was all five nine. He was like, wait, are they like are they five foot tall? Like, what's going on here? So That's I don't think awesome. I ever. I don't think I ever reassured him that I'm not five nine. So I don't know. Maybe. Uh, well, that's maybe why I'm good at lying. I, I try to keep you out of pictures because then I have people think that I'm way bigger than I am. And but I've had so many times where I meet people and they might be European and they're just like, "Oh wow, you're much smaller than I thought you were." <laughs> <laughs> they're so honest. Yeah, we're right uh, now. Danielle and I are watching uh, before the ninety days. For the you know ninety day fiance thing um, series, okay. and it's like right now, for example, this one dude he travels all the way to the Amazon, like has to go on like a flight and three flights, a two day boat trip, all the way to get to this girl that lives in a hut. And- okay, <laughs> <laughs> what, what an intro! And, and you just have this insane cultural exchange where these people are so different. Like this girl, for instance, literally does not speak English. He doesn't speak Portuguese. They have to speak to each other via text, but her father did give him approval to marry her already. So there you go. That's, that's the show in a nutshell, but, (laughs) but there's this other couple and they, (laughs) This girl went to, uh, like, uh, France or Spain, okay. France to meet this dude. They've never FaceTimed or talked on the phone. They only text. But then she shows up. He doesn't show up to the airport because he has work. So she meets him at, like, a park. And then he's like, oh, well, actually, I have to go judge this bikini contest. Come with me. She's exhausted, hasn't showered, like just got (laughs) off a plane, total jet lag. And he's just like, oh, come on. And then in the car, she's obviously tired. And he tells her, oh, you're very cold. (laughs) That's amazing. That's the most. Oh, no. uh, I don't want to say that's so European, but that's just so rude and awesome. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's enough Jeez. about that. That show. sounds entertaining, though. It's like sounds like it's always taking a turn. That kind it's of show. Insane. It's like as stressful as watching a show like Fargo, but mm. it's just so entertaining because it's real and these are real people. <laughs> because it's yes, like a guy wow. just another. I'm just gonna ruin the whole show for you because <laughs> I don't care. And, there you go. No, just watch it. You gotta watch it. I'm not gonna ruin the whole show for you. There's, it's great. It's really great. You gotta well, that sounds like something I need to watch. I just finished up watching the show called Waco. Have you heard of it? Oh, dude. I blasted through that show. I oh, love man. it. I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, it was really short. But uh, I guess for anyone that's listening, Waco is a city in Texas that is only an hour and a half from where I live. So it's it feels uh, more real to me, I guess, maybe than it can to someone else. Absolutely. Uh, wow. That was an insane show. Insane kind show. And because as a person who um, hasn't really researched it a lot, doesn't know a lot about it, I did not know the conspiracy side to it. So that was very interesting to see where I always thought it was just 
big mass suicide. I didn't think mm. it was, uh, you know, possibly being burned to death by the FBI. Um, but yeah, what a show. I don't, I don't know a lot about the conspiracies. To be honest, as I'm watching the show, I'm remembering, remembering things here and there about just people talking, it, talking about, you know, stories that, that it had actually happened. It was so, in the 90s, right? I think, it, yeah, early 90s, 93. Okay. Something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a crazy one. But I am needing another show. So what was yeah. yours called again? 90 oh. Days? Oh, Before the 90 Days. Okay, um, before the 90 because, Days. Because, yeah, we started watching the, just the show itself, 90 Day Fiance. Mm-hmm. And that was good, but then um, one of the another podcast that I listened to, your mom's house, someone with Tom Segura and Christina P, these uh, comedians, they seem really enamored with before the ninety days, which is the whole lead up to them, like you know, getting prepared for this things. And it's just mind blowing to see what people are capable of, especially uh-huh. through internet relationships. And obviously, relationships are hard in general. Like everyone knows this. But some people go to such amazing <laughs> extents to make a relationship happen. It's yeah. insane. Wow. And that's just what we're going to talk about for the whole podcast. We're going to talk <laughs> about relationships and love. Yes, and what, let's do it. You know, because that's really what everyone wants to hear about. No, they want to get to the fucking truth, okay? That's true. They want that's to hear about true. it. Well, let's they, give it to them. <laughs> Jared, why did you have a green drum kit? Why did I have a green drum kit? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, I don't think I've ever been asked this before, at least so blatantly. Oh, there was this band. I forgot what the name of what they were called. Uh, this was forever ago when I'm like a young tot just learning drums. Absolutely. They were some like alternative Christian rock band, but the drummer had this very bright green kit and i thought it was so cool it was like almost neon that's how bright it was uh but he yeah he had a kid i was like this is sick this is this is yeah is that john mayer yeah dude um it was sick yeah did you ever see that i mean i had it before you you joined it wasn't green when i joined the band yeah i think i had a black one which was it might have been the same kit i think you painted it but I had painted it with a buddy, Matt Durkis. Yes. Oh, Matt Durkis. Oh, Drummer extraordinaire of the band Bloodline. I'll have to get him on here so he can complain about some things on the podcast and not just on Twitter. He is, um, he's the best at complaining. He's my favorite. One of my favorite human beings. Absolutely. Um, and one of the funniest yeah. people. He is, <laughs> he's so funny. He's so funny. Um, um, man. Yeah, we painted yeah. it. We painted it. Didn't do the best job, but... Hey, it was cool for a while. No, didn't you raffle that kit off or something? I did raffle it. It was 2014. Yeah, it was like right after I think we did that first tour when I joined and we did the record. It was around that time. Yes, I'm trying to think. I had because I got my first custom kit from SJC in in, uh, August of 2014. So it must have been around that time where I had. uh, Raffled that off. You guys have been together a long time. But you know what? We're going to get there. We're going to go back farther. We're going to go back to the very Whoa. beginning. Oh my back gosh. when Jebediah started. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I uh, I don't even know all the OG members uh, of Fit for a King yeah. off the bat or where to start. So I'm going to let you because I think most people that listen to us now have mm-hmm. no idea the back history of the band and how it got to where it is or that you are the truly only original member of the band Fit for a King. So what was the year that you started Fit for a King? So just to add on to what you just said before I get there, um, I think most people who listen to Fit for a King don't know much past, or they don't know much before our record Death Grip, which came out in 2016. I would agree. So all all of what we're about to talk about is, may sound like malarkey to everyone, but if you're a a longtime fan, then these these could be some cool things to know. Um, Our first uh, band practice as Fit for a King we were a six-piece. We loved the Devil Wears Prada. Had a keyboardist. It was in September of 2007. So, a long time ago, man. Yeah. Can you think about what you were doing in September of 2007? September of 2007, I was you graduating enrolled. high school. Oh no, I was enrolled in college. My first year of college. When right? did you graduate? I graduated in 07. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, you were a so yeah, I was college my, kid, dude. I was in my were first you in year. Dude, no, I was in Dutchess Community College in old Poughkeepsie, New York. Dude, I love um, Poughkeepsie. I think just about everyone who's ever been there loves it. Um, <laughs> it might be one of the nicest places in all of America. Yeah, yeah. man. Our first, our first show there, this is before you had joined, and I think we've talked about this at some point, but we hung out with Jeff and mm-hmm. Karen. Yes. It was, it was this, were you there? No, I was not there. This was okay, the tour okay. you guys did with, uh, I declare war or something or. Oh, that sounds was, about right. We played maybe the, the plot in you or something like that. Upstairs. I think yep. it was the plot in you. It was upstairs at the, the chance. So the loft. Yeah. We hang out, hung out with those two guys all night. One of those nights where you just like, everything just feels great and you just keep going with it. They're but super that's, that's easy what I think about. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think about when I think about Poughkeepsie. Absolutely. Good times. So, you guys did yeah. um, quite a few tours before I ended up joining up with the band. Um, mm-hmm. I know we discussed in one of the other podcasts, we talked about Scream the Prayer that you guys mm-hmm. did, uh, the Attila tour with Upon a Burning Body before that. But you, um, I guess, really did the grunt work that ended up doing... Uh, fit for a king the greatest service which was meeting ryan kirby and bobby ling so at what how long did you play in the band before you met those guys um so yeah we started in 07 and we were just kids in high school as a senior in high school when when the (laughs) band started um didn't have any aspirations to do this for a living it was just oh i love playing music i like these guys that also enjoy to play music and we just played concerts. We played locally. Um, I remember like one of our very first shows, I think it was the third show we'd ever played, we had won a battle of the bands and got to play uh, this Christian like conference called Fish the Planet. It's a big deal down here. There was probably two or 3,000 people. And That's huge. It was massive. And I, I, can, I can vividly remember how bad we did. 
even at those times, especially <laughs> when you first start playing music, you don't realize maybe sometimes how bad you sound or how, how bad you perform. But when I can look back and remember we did not play well, that's, that's not a good sign. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, we, we, got to, we got to play some really cool stuff around our local area. I feel like our, our hometown received us well. Um, so I went to I went to a high school called Chapel Hill, and everyone else in the band went to our rivals' high school called White House. And uh, White House, everyone that had gone to the high school, everyone loved their, at least from my perspective, loved Fit for a King and, and loved every, every one of those guys. I didn't feel like the same sort of support from where I went. So, um, yeah, it was cool. I think Fish the Planet was actually held at White House that year. Cool. I guess being um, so, the only guy, you know, from your school in your band would make sense why it would lean more as like they are the the band of your other rival school or whatever. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I, well, there was that. Plus, I don't I don't feel like anyone enjoyed the same kind of music that I did in my high school. Yeah. Uh, but either way, you were leading the way, there. Jared. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. Um so yeah, we. I'm trying to think. After we graduated high school, all of us went to uh, a year of college. Did two semesters at the community college there in Tyler, um, and then after that, our singer at the time, Mason, he. I remember he called me one day and said, "Dude, let's let's not go to school this next semester and let's tour." Um, and I remember thinking, "Well, this is not something that I ever planned. This is not like." A goal of mine is not like a dream to tour or anything like that. I knew I loved playing shows, and I knew that uh, that was one of my favorite things to do, but I never thought, let's tour. Let's let's only do this and not go to school. You know, because at the time, and a lot of people I'm sure can remember, when you graduate high school, like, what, what do you do? I guess the next step is to go to college. You don't – I don't think anyone – or a lot of my friends don't have that – burning passion inside them. Oh, I want to go to college. It's my favorite. I get to study. I get to learn things. Not at 18. That's not what I cared about. I cared about having fun. And Oh, same you know, here. You know? So, so yeah, like when, when we said we were going to tour again, it was like, oh, I guess we're not doing what everyone is supposed to do when we're going to go play concerts. So, yeah, we spent a couple years after that playing and touring, and, and they were all very DIY concerts. We played a lot of, a lot of different Churches in Texas, a lot of our shows were at churches. Um, and then once we started to branch out of there, we would, we would play like very small uh, music venues or, you know, I can remember one of the worst shows that we ever played was in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, it's like West Texas. And we played an art gallery. And it oh, was very, very, nice. very shy. I mean, when I think art gallery, I think nice. Like people are wearing turtlenecks and sports coats and drinking oh, yeah. on their macchiatos, you know. But this was like a, a tin roof building, and it was torrential downpouring that day, and there was water flooding through everywhere. And we still played. Um, I think I think that was a tour with this band called Affiance, and the singer of Affiance got shocked with the microphone. <laughs> so like. It was. Uh, he was probably yeah. still really good though, because he's a fantastic <laughs> singer. He's insane. Yeah. He's one of the best singers. Uh, so we had so many, so many different uh, terrible shows, and I think that that's what weeds out a lot of the bands from continuing to move forward. And 
even from from then to now like it's different it's different to to grow but at that time i think it was really important to kind of bust your butt and to, to play a bunch of concerts and be seen in front of a lot of people trials and tribulations as they say you know yeah. gotta get out I mean, there you, and do it yeah you went through some uh, probably a similar stage right similar story just grinded and played with i mean you just weren't oh, a victory yeah. king but you still grinded yeah i would say um primarily just with visions like the band before that that i was in um t look like we didn't the one with old medina <laughs> We didn't. Um, Johnny Medina. <laughs> Johnny, if you're we, listening, I'm coming for you. He's coming for you. <laughs> um, we we didn't really tour very much. We didn't really have too much going on. But we in Visions, we did quite a bit of runs. I guess the longest thing we ever did was following Warp Tour for I think it was ten or twelve days um, from like Ohio down south a little bit and back to new york and we were just on the guest list every day and we would walk around selling dollar download cards for our Ooh. single that had um tay jardine on it from we are the in crowd and nice. playing acoustic sets like walking around and just playing and oh my god it was the most nerve-wracking terrible <laughs> thing ever like how am i supposed to just what oh there's a lot of people here so i should just stop and sing right here oh great idea oh we were terrible wow. at it terrible terrible at it. Dude, did you have your hair straighteners hot and ready to go <laughs> you know what i don't know i think at this point in my life i did have hair but okay. no, we had our van was so shot. It was a conversion van. It didn't have running AC, and it was just so gross and hot, bro. Like, and I just can't yes. imagine. I remember one time. It's just end of the day. It's super hot, torrential downpour, and Aiken just gets outside, gets in his undies, and it's just downpouring. And he starts putting soap in his hair, and I'm like, you know what, man? That's the best idea right now. Yes. And we just showered in the rain that warp tour, you know. It's great. Like that sounds like a uh, a magical moment. And one of those one of those uh situations where it yeah, never never uh you never forget it. Absolutely. Ooh, I just hit my mic. Yeah, he was a great wow. guy to tour with. He was super fun. We all had a you know, that was a great band. We had a fun time. But yeah, mm -hmm. we did some grinding. I think everybody had <laughs> to do some grinding, especially back then. Maybe nowadays you can do less because you can get more popular on the internet faster where you have at least some demand when yeah. you first begin. But uh, for the most part back then, you know, uh, bands were getting popular on MySpace, but not to the extent where um, you could completely give up the grind. So, Dude, a band that I reference a lot. And so Fit for a King was a band that kind of started making our way through the transition downtown, period from walking fast. <laughs> walking fast Sorry. No, that was nice. Um, we, we were a band that made a tr the transition from MySpace to Facebook. That's when kind of we started doing our thing. And a band that I'll reference a lot that is very impressive to me was a band like under oath like they, they were around before myspace they were a band that they all they could do was grind like how else would you hear about them besides maybe a magazine or something like that like 
all they did were play concerts. And this was like the and, acts of depression days, right? Like back when, they yeah, were like I think it was then. And, and even, even during, um, they were only chasing safety. That was what? 2004, 2005. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Some, something around there, but yeah, yeah I don't think MySpace popped off until 07 or 08, something like that. So yeah, it's crazy to, to think about what they had to do to, uh, to get, successful absolutely i'm still you know i didn't attend a lot of um as many concerts in high school as i would have liked to and i was thinking about this one lineup that came through that i missed where it was at the throne of judgment dance gavin dance the devil wears prada drop dead gorgeous and like one other band from that time period it's just like damn there were so many uh, bands that were getting out back then, but at the same time, I feel like the reason why we can remember all of them is because it wasn't super flooded yet, because the internet yeah. hadn't taken that stuff yet. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, a definitely a possibility and a cool perspective. But it would have been nice. <laughs> it would have been nice to be uh, the size band that we are now back then, right? Oh, dude, yeah. Not to be that guy, but I think uh, those record sales, bro. Yeah, tight. people don't buy albums anymore, and I get why. I get why we just stream them because yeah. it's more practical. But yeah, it'd have been nice. Hey, it'd Black nice Dahlia Murder was number four on total album sales last week or something like that. Wow. Yeah, pretty. Man, cool. that's nuts. That's very sick. Yep. You know, it's a, the album sales thing is is such an interesting um, debate because then you still see bands like August Burns Red demolish charts and mm-hmm. um, sell insane numbers every year. Dance, Gavin, dance, same thing. Um, but it's tough. You definitely have to earn them these days. I think you have yeah, to have spe- fans that are super speaking interested. Speaking of album sales, yeah. speaking of album sales, uh, I'm sure you've seen the, the beef going on with Trapped on Twitter. I think I actually saw you post about them or something, right? Well, yeah, I'm blocked now, so I don't see anything no. anymore. But um, Are you? Yeah, he blocked me, bro. Um, because yeah, I told him that um, that Pandora is for boomers. And okay, I, well, I agree yeah. with you, but for people who haven't seen seen it, I guess it's Trapped's singer is kind of trolling on uh, on Twitter and kind of boasting about his band's uh, music or about how they've had success, how they've had whatever their credentials yeah. are for, for their music and um, 2.4 million Pandora streaming. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something he keeps referencing is how their Pandora is massive and how they have more listeners on Pandora than, than Slipknot and all these bands. And, um, and I think he keeps calling out bands and, and people in the metal core world, which kind of confuse, confuses me, but um, yeah, I, when you kept talking about streaming, for some reason, <laughs> my brain kept going back to it. Well, Pandora, you know, try it. Uh, I, I think it's funny, but Dude, I didn't it's know he wild. blocked you. Wow, yeah, I don't. My sweet Tucky. Well, I forget who started it, but it just, when that whole thing started going down, I had a few um, responses back and forth with him. Uh, and, but primarily just, I guess my my zinger that ended up uh, was like put in one of those uh, articles online, but 
I mm-hmm. just was like, you know, Pandora's for boomers. Like, dude's a loser. That stinks. Like, it's, I mean, it's amazing <laughs> that they accomplished what they ha- have accomplished what they did. It's amazing that they're mm-hmm. still a band. They wrote a huge song. It just stinks that he has to be such a dingus about it and make everyone hate him because yeah. his political beliefs, they're crazy and they may be extreme, but he's entitled to them. He just yeah. shouldn't, if he wants to be. I mean, one, they're more relevant right now than ever. We're talking about Trapped. Mm-hmm. So, bravo, I guess, if that was your goal. Um, but, you know, at the same time, bless you. I heard. <laughs> bless you. Jared also says, bless you. Um, like, there, he, uh, one of the things I saw shared most recently after his beef with Ice T. He's, he made a post saying that he got dropped from 12 shows because of his response to Ice-T, which involved violence and threatens, you know, threatening violence and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, yeah. You know, and, but he, he should just shut up and take what he gets still, you know. Who, who yeah, cares? I, I get what he's doing. If, if you are correct, <laughs> and that's something I thought about as well, is he could be just trying to play the bad guy and get people talking about him like you and I are right now. But, um, yeah, you can't deny that the songs or I, I know Headstrong. I'm not sure about some of the others, but yeah, that's I don't a know any song. other songs. Like it's, it's so well written and it's catchy. Like everyone knows it. I would um, buy tickets. But, but yeah, the, <laughs> you would. Oh, 1000%. If trapped was the first <laughs> band to play Brooklyn after the, the, the whole, I don't know, quarantine or whatever you want to call COVID-19 is done. I would mm-hmm. I would pay fifty bucks and go see Trapped one hundred percent. There we go. You heard it here first, folks. Absolutely. <laughs> I would make. Yeah, I would be so excited. I'd like paint my chest or something. Yes. Yeah, I, I'd that'd get, be great. Have some cool sign, but that would be sweet. Wow. Man, I don't even know how we got here. You know, <laughs> You're but, talking about stream, streaming. Yeah, and streaming and sales. Somehow my brain went to Pandora and yeah. Because Pandora, I wonder what their sales uh, percentage is versus Spotify. I'm sure it's much better. Um, just yeah, it has to be. I didn't even know Pandora did that. Like I didn't know they were still around. And uh, I mean, maybe I'm just ignorant. No, I didn't but either. I, uh, I didn't know. Yeah, are we on Pandora? Um, you know what? I'm going to look right now as we're talking. We should move, move the conversation along because I yeah. don't want to spend too much time. That's oh, okay. But... Everyone will know. We'll find out if we suck on Pandora and that we should have to open for Trapped. So <laughs> that'd be we cool. Did. All right. So we're getting back into it. You have graduated high school. You're in your first two years of college. Your homie is like Mason. Or Mason is the guy that's in the band at the time? He's the screamer? Mm-hmm. He's he's the screamer, yeah. Okay, Mason's like, let's go on tour. Do you drop out of college and go on tour at this point? We did, yeah. We finished We finished my second, or I finished my second semester there at, at uh, college, and we did it. We just started playing shows. Man, ooh, this is, this is a pretty good story. Our first out-of-state experience, we played a festival in Bushnell, Illinois, called Cornerstone. It was a pretty big deal. Wow. Uh, it, it's not happening anymore, but at the time, that was a big deal. A lot of massive bands Huge played deal, that yeah. festival. It was kind of, um, kind of like a Woodstock vibe. You you go out there. It's a it's a weekend thing. You bring your tents. You camp, and the only thing surrounding this whole uh, concert area is cornfields. I'm talking miles and miles and miles. Um, 
I mean, I, I, if I had to guess, it was like 30 minutes at least to the next town or gas station. You know, there's nothing around it. So we uh, <laughs> we we told our parents because, you know, we were 18 years old at the time, still telling our parents everything. And uh, I remember one of the parents asked, so where are you guys going? I'm like, oh, we're just going to, we're going to Illinois to play this Christian festival. And it was actually Mason's dad. <laughs> Our singer's dad at the time goes, well, how are you getting there? He's like, and Mason's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, how are you getting your equipment there? I'm not sure yet. We'll figure it out. Is what Mason's saying and kind of what we're all thinking. We don't, we're not thinking about how we're going to get there. We're just, we're going, you know. And Mason's dad, he goes, well, we need to get all the parents together and have us a little meeting. And that got, that got us kind of nervous. So we have a meeting. It's kind of the same thing. We don't really know how we're getting there. Fortunately, a couple of the uh, parents let us borrow their vehicle. We had a mutual friend let us borrow a trailer, that kind of thing. Um, so unprepared for, for this festival. Naturally. And it, when we got there, it did great. We had a great time. It was such a learning experience. It's, it's the era, when I look back and think of uh, Fit for a King in these times, I think ramen noodles, I think sleeping in the van, I think... You know, I remember sleeping underneath a stage a few times at this festival because the wind would, would blow on your face in the morning. It felt great. Very, uh, very lax. No pressure. No and Cornerstone was so huge back then. And it made, it really helped to build the name of, of Christian alternative music back then. Yeah, um, 100%. It, you know, I, I, when I think about the first time that I saw The Devil Wears Prada in one way, shape, or form, it was watching the live video of them playing in the Cornerstone parking lot. Yeah. You yeah, know. man, that's a video I come back to once every other year just because it feels nostalgic. Even though I wasn't there, it fe- I can feel what they went through. Yeah. You know, because we, we had played the festival and played on a stage that was basically the ground. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny that we're still talking about Cornerstone and you brought up the Devil Wears Prada um, I think still to this day, the worst day of my life was at, was the last day of the second time we did Cornerstone. It, it was the last day and it was starting to downpour. And so they moved main stage up closer to like, it was like a tent stage right next to the stage that we were supposed to play at. And they moved some times around to where it was the Devil Wears Prada was playing on, on us, the main stage and then we're supposed to play, and then under us was supposed to play. So it was like for us, like the dream time slot. It just so happened to work out that way. And uh, before this is like hours before it was supposed to go on. And there's right next to our we had this shuttle bus that was parked, and right next to our shuttle bus was this massive hill, and everyone was started to slide down like this huge mudslide, and it was like, pouring rain. So like there was a huge drop. And that's my kind of thing. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like Goodness. slides and jumping and all that yeah. sort of stuff. It's all my kind of thing. So I started sliding down this thing. And as I'm getting to the bottom, there are people that are throwing mud at you to kind of obviously to, to get you dirty. And it was just like some playful thing. And well, first time I went down, I'm nearing the end and I see these two mud pies <laughs> thrown at me and my eyes are open they cake both eyes and i could not see at all there was there was no. mud in my top and bottom eyelids 
and it hurt. Like I would try to blink and it was like sandpaper as I'm blinking. Um, it was miserable. So like I said, still to this day, that was the worst day that I've, I've ever had. And oh, we did not, we did not play that time slot, did not play the show because I couldn't see. I was in a lot of pain. Um, and who knows if that would have done anything for our band or not, but still like it, it's, whoa, <laughs> it's, it's uh, weird oh, looking yeah. back and, and, uh, thinking about things like that, man, such a, such a cool opportunity and ended up being the worst day for me. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, that sucks. I mean, that would have been <laughs> okay. the best set ever. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. maybe not by now. I'd hope you'd have a better set than that by now. Like maybe mm-hmm. when we did so what when Under Oath came back, that was a great day. That was a um, very very good day. But um, wild. That sounds really rough. Mm-hmm. Have you had any permanent eye damage from that day? <laughs> no, no. Fortunately, I'm good. Um, I remember we we had we got a hotel that night. Like as we we drove out of the of the festival grounds. And I'm pretty sure one of our guys bought a hotel room. And when you first start traveling, especially out of state, that's uh, such a reward, staying in a hotel. And because you just don't have the money to do it. You don't have the money to, to spend on something like that. You kind of just spend it all on gas and, and food if you have the money for food that day. So a hotel was, was a big reward. And I remember just sitting down in the shower and just trying to wipe my eyes and tell the you know, the mud came out, but finally at the end of the day, I was starting to be able to see again. And I mean, just the thought of, am I blind forever now? Kept popping into my head. And so it was, it was miserable, but yeah, I'm good. No, no damage. Yahoo. I was waiting for you to be like, so I put a blindfold on and all of a sudden (laughs) I could see everything perfectly with all my other senses. And I played the best set of my uh, life. uh, You're daredevil, daredevil, bro. Oh, oh maybe I don't know. Deja Vu is yeah. I don't know. I I've heard of that movie. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I think Dude, I you gotta about. watch it. Okay, it's a good one. It's a good one. What's that other movie you like? What's that <laughs> one? Other one? What's the one on the van? That's in the van. Uh, oh, Limitless. 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 Uh, yes. I'll have to watch okay. Limitless at some point during this quarantine. Okay, so guys, we had this hard drive that we bring with us on every tour, just full of movies and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and I remember watching Limitless like three or four times, and then now it just has turned into this joke of, what should we watch? Oh, we should watch Limitless because I've never seen it. It looks good, though. Yeah. It's and then Bradley we actually Cooper. put it on. <laughs> <laughs> we, dude, I enjoy it every time. 100%. It's good. Yeah. yeah. It's Bradley Cooper. How can you not like it? He's that guy He's so from handsome. that Lady Gaga movie. Oh, man. That movie almost brought me to tears. I <sighs> still haven't watched it. I don't want Oof. to. You should watch it. I think you'll cry. I will. I think, I think you will cry. Dude, no way. I'm not watching it because I can't even watch like American Idol right now. Like I'm not watching <laughs> that. Danielle will watch American Idol and I I uh-huh. just start crying and then I'm I leave I have to leave the room and I have to be like you can't watch this. Now she watches it when, you know, she's not around me, which is good. It so helps. what why do you cry? I haven't seen it in a long time. I, they... I don't know, dude. It's like the reason I you know, it's it's so interesting. She thinks <laughs> All right. Let me crack myself. 
we find it funny because I love to watch, um, you know, like informative murder porn. I watch, you know, all sorts of weird, uh, you know, docs on serial killers and stuff like that. Love that kind of stuff. And then she'll turn mm-hmm. on Grey's Anatomy or American Idol and I'll cry. And I'm like, maybe this is why, because I watch just like crazy psycho killer stuff all the time. But um, I think right now it gets me so much, one, because I get in touch with how much these kids care about what they're doing. I think Mm -hmm. I see them performing on this TV show. And in our own way, I still feel like that kid who's trying and like going for it and cares about it in that way. So I think I, I identify with the people on the show in a sense where, I know that they love what they're doing in that moment just as much as I love what I do. So I root for them. I think that they're super cool. No, doesn't matter what your voice is like. If you're on that show and you're going for it, I think it's super cool. And we haven't watched it in years. And now seeing it again and seeing people that, you know, are a little bit younger than us and, you know, you can relate to. And it, I don't know, just always brings me back to, why we do this in the first place and how much I care. Like a lot of people have mm-hmm. jobs, but this is, you know, it's a life, it's a lifestyle. It's yeah. It requires a lot of our energy and, and it's risky. Um, I'll, I'll, we, I will uh, parallel that to that's how a star is born. That's the same feeling. It's, it's you, since you and I can relate to giving everything we have to make our dream and our, our passion happen into a job. Yeah, uh, it's it's a similar. It's like someone's trying so hard and they, they achieve certain things. You can, yeah. You, I I felt it. I felt this in my core. I'm like, man, this is this is exactly how I feel, and it's a dream of mine. So hey, I want you to see it, and I want you to call me as soon as you start yes. crying. <laughs> I will. I I will. I'll watch it. I have to. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah, it's really nice because I you know in a way I try to I try to live like life is a movie and you know, really take the most out of every moment that we're given. And then I look back on times like, dude, like us in Europe, like the first tour with Daniel where I'm like broken down crying on the trailer mm-hmm. and we just got into this huge fight and all stuff. It's like, that's movie stuff. That is legit, <laughs> legit movie stuff. And I think that that's what makes us relate to these people is we've had those moments where we're playing a huge festival and this is the greatest feeling on the world. And we've had those moments yeah. of wow, I feel so broken. I just want my bed. Like, holy smokes, this hurts. Yeah, um, man, such highs and lows. I was going to say, like, um, yeah, we fight. We fight sometimes. People don't yeah. see that because we don't post about it. We don't really talk about it. But Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd say it's being... probably been the better part of two or two or three years since we have. Really, probably like two years. I, yeah. think, I think the last time we got mad at each other is when I walked in on you pooping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. is that? <laughs> I don't poop, bro. Nobody poops. No, you don't. Uh, but yeah, it's been a while. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, anyone, uh, anyone can understand that. Imagine imagine being in uh, the same space, like a 15-passenger van or, or a vehicle like that for a month straight. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. If it's your girlfriend, your wife, your best friends, your band, your whatever, like, you're going to have some sort of conflict, so... Yeah, we fight sometimes, but but also yeah. just like just like you said, then there's 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 shows like the shows I'm looking or I'm thinking about specifically is that last show in Europe that we played, 
with Azalea dying oh, uh, yeah, in Cologne, yeah. Germany. Dude, it was like, uh, like when I close my eyes and think about playing a concert and like the crowd singing back, that's exactly what I think about. Those kind of shows, like a couple of shows from Warp Tour. Yeah. They're the kind of shows that you need sometimes because maybe you haven't had a, an insane show in a while. Or the crowd has been super loud or whatever it may be. Like, need shows like that to help encourage yeah trevor had some photos up for sale online trevor is our photographer and i bought a few from him and one of which was a photo from that final show in europe with as i lay dying say final as in it's like we'll never play europe again and um yeah my favorite thing when we play when i crowd surf is just closing my eyes and putting my head back and it's just the greatest like <laughs> euphoric feeling on the planet where it's like man we used i used to buy my own tickets to my own shows let alone now i get to go and jump on all these people and like i just think of this one time where i did that and i closed my eyes and i let my head back and then a, like a person put their hand right on the back of my head and just like held it and it was just like oh my gosh this <laughs> is the greatest feeling ever yeah, and then you're like, "Well, could you could you like massage it a little bit?" It's like always one more thing, right? Oh, absolutely, yes, please. <laughs> and then, uh, would you mind sending some caviar to my green room? Thank uh, you. But do we have a, we have a pretty great job, don't we? Like, we uh, a thought a thought that I uh, have to remind myself of is sometimes when we do a headlining tour, we'll have meet and greet. You know, we talk to people and and sign some posters and kind of have a more intimate time with them before we actually play the concert but that's i just i'm tired some days i don't really want to talk to anyone it has nothing to do with the the people that we're talking to it's just i'm tired i just don't want to be around people and then i think to myself you know like this is like our job is for people to come in and like want to talk to us to like to pay money to have that extra time just to be around us and talk to us i mean they think that we're cool like I don't like who else has a job like that, you know, it's mind blowing, man. It's mind blowing stuff. And yeah, so, you know, we have I, some stuff to be grateful for and some, uh, we have, we have it easier than, than most people. Absolutely. I think you get caught in the ladder sometimes where you're maybe want, like we made, like you just made the joke of you want more. You mm-hmm. hear of other bands or their stuff is bigger and better maybe, or you just, you've been on tour for five weeks and you're super tired and you're just like, man, I just don't want to do this again. But then you realize like, oh my gosh, there's actually 30 people that paid extra money waiting just to get something signed by me and to ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Wild. Crazy. <laughs> it's pretty cool. We wouldn't all be here without you. Because you did it. You were the foundation. That's why I want... It's funny. One of the kids corrected me because my graphics are wrong. Because it says that you were supposed to be episode three and Daniel was supposed to be episode four. And I was like, that's stupid. Because Jared started the band. So he should be... You don't care. That's that's a weird thing to talk about, even with you guys in the band, because I don't feel like that holds any sort of merit. It's cool. It's cool, but it's not like... I'm not the reason that our band is successful or we're doing as we're doing. I think it, this is all a, a group effort, you know, for sure. But you know, I, I think there's a few major moments that, uh, led to keeping it moving and making mm-hmm. the band. I mean, you could say like, would the band be as big if it wasn't Kirby and it was Mason? Like, 
you know, I don't want to say, uh, you know, anything against Mason, but Ryan Kirby is mm-hmm. one of the best screamers on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, yeah. I'll swear on that day in and day out. Um, yeah. So it, it's, yeah, I will too. yeah. So it's an interesting thing to uh, compare, but I think all in all, you have to remember, like we wouldn't be here with this band and without this entity of fit for a king without you and your hard work and keeping it moving and making the right moves to keep those guys in it including justin you know who often gets mentioned uh so far in this podcast but the the old ghost member of of fit for a king i suppose all right everyone now is the time in the show where we take a break to showcase some new badass tunes this is a band called gassed up the song is called Mother I Suffer. They are grime metal from Preston, UK. And let me tell you, this is exactly why I asked people for submissions. This song to me is so unique and offers so many aspects of metal that I love. They refer to themselves as grime metal, and I vibe with that. It sounds pretty fitting after you listen to the tune. The vocalist has a clear but super aggressive delivery. The drummer, Sean, said that they all do a bit of vocals. At first, I thought the band was called Mother I Suffer, and I thought that was kind of cool too, but I think Gassed Up suits them a little bit better. So please check them out on Spotify and Apple Music. The song is wild. Seriously, this is why I wanted people to submit songs. I probably would have never heard of this band, and now I legitimately love it. I had to stop and just like ask my fiance, am I crazy, or is this super sick? And I, I think it is. So I hope you guys like it. Gassed up. Mother, I suffer. Check them out on Apple Music and Spotify. Boom. Here you go. Yeah, we're 
crush me, my mood is frosty. I might take your life, don't cross me. One word out of line is costly. Live a life chopped up like a rusty. All the pain inside it burns. Like an inferno raging, you'll learn. You won't smile with a table, son. You won't smile with a table, son. Be left with scars of burning. With a pain inside, I'm yearning. For a six for the table, turning. Can't move, man, it's real concerning. All right, thank you all for checking out that song. That was Mother I Suffer by Gassed Up. Last couple things I want to note. If you get a chance, there's a Spotify link where you can donate directly to our crew. All the funds that are on that Spotify link are going to go right to the guys that work with us on the road all the time that have missed out on an insane amount of work because of tours being canceled. As far as we know, schedules keep getting pushed back farther and farther, and they could really use the help. So please go to Spotify, click that link. If you have an extra dollar or two, donate it there. If you don't like that choice and you want to donate to a wider variety of people, you can go to forthenomads.org. It's put on by Frank Finelli, a friend of mine who is also a merchandise master. He goes around the country selling all that cotton for y'all. And he has raised over $29,000 for 40-plus crew members so far. So you can also check that out. I hope you guys enjoyed the tunes. And now on with the show. Um, yeah, man. He, uh, him and I actually hung out the other day. He's, he's one of the, uh, not the, not the original guitar player, but uh, he probably was in the band for five or so years. Um, he was the writer. He was still in the band when Creation Destruction was being recorded and written. I think but he him, was, and I, him and I still get along really well. Yeah, I would say he was one of, at least in the beginning of the band, he seems to me, as someone looking back on it, as the most influential member because of the way he wrote. Because his writing style is really what led the way to Descendants and Creation Destruction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like um, him and I always thought the same way. And, and Kirby and Bob always thought the same way. So it was nice to have, um, I guess, two different sides, two different ways of thinking combined. Um, but, it, yeah, it was kind of hard when, when Justin left because it was like, oh, Bob and Kirby are writing like the way that they write, which is typically like a lot heavier and less melodic. Um, so it took, it took an album or two <laughs> to, to get that figured out. Absolutely. Um, that it did indeed. Um, yeah, man. Remember Slaves of Nothing? Dude, I do man, remember I, that. You know, it's funny, man. I've seen more stuff in the last, especially like during the quarantine, um, more people posting stuff about that record where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, good early 2000s or mid 2000s Christian metalcore, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, out of all the records, you're going to post this one. Really <laughs> interesting. Okay. Like, you yeah. know, it's. It's such an interesting record to think about because there was a lot of good qualities to it. I think I like it. Yeah, I agree. And um, I wish I could go back and do it differently, but mm-hmm. it was a cool record and we got through it. But dude, I, I I still think it's a cool record. I, I think when I when I think about it and when I try to think why wasn't this album as cool as maybe I wanted it to be. The music to me is cool. Maybe it's not all cohesive every song. But for me, the toughest part was just how it was written and how we weren't a unit 
you know yeah. what I mean? Like we weren't getting along. This was, it was a bunch of newness with you joining. And that, that to me is why that album uh, is, uh, was frustrating. Yeah. I think one hard part, and I think I've heard this with Bob and Ryan, where in me writing vocal parts, the thing that they felt like I was maybe closed off where I also felt like I didn't have anyone necessarily being like, Hey, let me sit down and write this with you. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also just had no idea how to make a record. I had never done it. So I was just, so I was super, super lost. I think that if the, I, I love my lyrics on the record. If the melodies were better, I think the record would have been more popular, but I still think breakaway was the track. Whatever. <laughs> no, Breakaway was sick. It didn't get uh, it didn't get enough attention like I thought it would. That was a that was a demo track that you sent over. I remember like one of the first things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys just yeah. sent me the instrumentals for it, and I wrote the clean mm-hmm. stuff, and then. Dude, back. just just talking this out has made me kind of figure out why I was feeling certain certain ways. But that was the first album that I have done without Justin. Oh, that totally makes sense. That, it, that really makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes a ton of sense because you had you Bob was when, especially because we talked about this on the podcast too a little bit. Bob was just like in his corner on his rig writing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we me and Kirby were on separate couches writing lyrics and showing them to each other, but not really critiquing each other. Yeah. And then you were like doing your drum thing whenever Bob was done with stuff. But he would just leave, go to Randy, track things. And we were all so separate. We were super separate at the time. Dude, and then Death Grip, the next album, we were like all in the same room the entire time. That was it great. It was the best. Yeah, we had so much fun. Best. I loved yeah. making the Death Grip record. I loved mm-hmm. working with Nick. I had an awesome time. Like some, you know, and it was freezing cold, but I loved just getting up, going in the car, hitting, like mm-hmm. going on down the road. And oh, it was great. I had so much it fun. It was fantastic. Because there were such great. I think my first fond memories of us as a, a band with, in terms of songwriting is from that cycle where I brought this up on the, another episode too, but we're at Mr. Smalls in Pittsburgh and Bob wrote the instrumentals for Dead Memory. And I was like, oh man, this is a track. Like this is super Dude, yeah. sick. And then that one night when he wrote Death Grip, when he goes into the bathroom to take a shower and then comes out and he's just like, I got it, and sits down and makes that track. I remember, I remember, I remember uh, writing the, the MIDI drums to that at the, uh, at the same venue, like that blast beat intro. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wild. my gosh, yeah. I so love that ago. song so much. And I think that that song has really, really helped to sculpt the foundation of uh, later fit for a king songwriting mm-hmm. like songs um like oblivion or price of agony may not be the same without having first written dead memory so i mm-hmm. like it yeah i agree with that i think it helped us realize um some things that we can do in songs yeah it's like architects for people who aren't as smart yeah i should like you know i you know it those guys it it, because i guess that's the part that reminded me of i was like man this is this song reminds me of architects but it's not quite as crazy you know it's Mm -hmm. a little more rhythmic than it is uh riffy 
And I think that that suits us because personally, if it was riffier or architect-esque, I probably couldn't play it. Um, yeah, but... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but who knows, man? I mean, there's a, speaking of architects, there is a part in uh, one of our new songs that is the most architects part we've ever put out. Or we haven't put out yet, but we will put out. Yes. I can't wait to put it out. I am ready, and it's going to be the greatest just to get new stuff out and to start playing again. I shouldn't say it's going to be the greatest record. I think it's easily our greatest record, um, and I hope everyone feels the same. I think they will. I think I think we took a risk with this in a little bit. It's it's not it's not like a Bring Me the Horizon took a risk, but it's for us like we're so conservative with the way we write music and the way we transition from kind of one sound to another, like. This is, uh, uh, yeah, kind of a jump for us. But I still feel like it sounds like our band. It's not, it's not some band going pop or some band just going straight metal. It's, it's our band, but with, uh, with some adaption to it. I agree. I think that there's at least enough of the foundation of what people like in Fit for a King that's there, that mm-hmm. will be there for you. And then the songs that are a little bit riskier, it may take you a minute, but um, you know, I think if you sit back, maybe have a Budweiser and listen to them again, you'll probably think differently about them. Uh, yeah, but, that's true. You know, it, hey, what do you, what do you think about what do you think about us putting out an EP that's just straight heat, like just the heaviest of the heavy? Would love to. <laughs> I think that oh. that's a brilliant idea because Kirby, I like when he does. And I know he was tweeting with uh, Jared Dines about this the other day, mm-hmm. um, and I hope that they don't steal our that idea and go and do their own Super Doom EP. But yeah, I want Deathcore Kirby. I like it. It's good yeah. stuff. Well, I was listening to our new album yesterday, and I was I love the melodic side of our band. I'm, I mean, out of everyone in the band, I feel like I've always pushed that the most. But still, like I I love that. But then I was like, man, where's the where's the backbreakers? And I was like, well, we could just do an EP. Let's just do five songs of just punch to the face, you know? I agree. I would like that. Now everyone's <laughs> going to know that there's not backbreaker. But maybe there is. There is. Maybe they're wrong. There definitely is. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I, I, could, I could see where um, we would want to have a, a little break and just go and be super doom heavy for a second. Mm-hmm. I think Bobby would like that too. Um, <laughs> yeah. See Dan get to do some sweepies or something. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. I'd like that. Yeah, man. All Maybe right. Too. <laughs> so next part, we are moving on. It is time for creation destruction. How did you Whoa. guys decide to go with Andreas Magnuson to make this record? So we signed to Solid State. I remember uh, physically signing July of 2012. And Solid State had always used Andreas, or for, not always, I should say, for a lot of their bands, particularly the heavy bands, they would send them to Andreas. Like, oh, Sleeper, who was it? I think it Black Dahlia Murder. Like, who else? I mean, he did a bunch of bands that were really heavy and we uh i didn't really know about him i didn't know about him before we went to him i just knew that he had a cool uh roster a cool list of bands that he had done went there this is is in richmond virginia 
Um, and it was a very unique experience. It was our first time being, like I said, we had just signed, we're going to the studio. It just feels more professional versus just us doing everything ourselves and us, uh, setting everything up. It just felt more professional. Plus the studio that we were in was awesome. Andreas is a super smart guy. He designed the studio himself and I think he built most of it. Just very hands-on type of dude. And, uh, it was cool. I mean, we still didn't know what we were doing. We had come to the studio with all the material written. Things did change up while we were in the studio, but, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. We. I feel like that was just a huge part of what gave Fit for a King that first boost. And if you, if you, I don't. It's still we, and we discussed this a while ago. One of the most, if not the most, cohesive Fit for a King record. But mm-hmm. um, just everything sounds so massive on Creation Destruction, and I think that mm-hmm. I would encourage just about any young heavy band to go and work with Andreas if they can. And make some tunes because the stuff just mm-hmm. sounds. That record sounds insane in and of itself. Yeah, Andreas is great. He used to play in an older band, metal band called Scarlet. He was the drummer, um, so him and I got along pretty well. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a fun experience. It was so new feeling. Even though that we had been playing music for a long time, we had done a few EPs and albums before that. Uh, it still felt so new, I guess maybe because we were working with someone that was professional. And not only that, we knew that us recording that album was a, a big deal to us. And it was, there was pressure to perform well. Before that, there was no pressure. There was no, oh, if this, if this record doesn't do well, then we can't do this anymore. Or there was no, like, this has to do well, or we have to do eight to five jobs. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. I feel like once we were in the studio for that one, we, there was added pressure, you know, we got signed. That was a cool thing. Now we had to actually show why we got signed and put out the best music that we could. And, um, but yeah, we just wrote what we wanted to. And Andreas helped, you know, with some, some vocal parts. And like I said, Justin was there and Justin and Bob were working together. Um, that was the last record we'd ever done with two guitar players until this new one that we until haven't put out now. yet until now. Yes. So that should be a good sign for people. Like we, Bob is obviously an incredible writer, incredible guitar player, but that's a lot of stress. That's <laughs> a lot of, a lot of on your plate when it's just you, the only guitar player trying to write everything. So yeah, Justin was there for creation destruction. And um, I think Justin wrote, about half the record and, and body draw about half the record. Yeah. You know, there was, uh, I had some kids pull some questions for you. I shouldn't say kids, people, cause they might be <laughs> old men. They might be children. They might, I have no idea how old this person is, but their name is the Ryan Titan. And you know, I hello, like Ryan. Hello, the Ryan Titan, the Ryan Titan. Hey, I've been a Ryan guy myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you have, you have, you have a few around you. Um, ah, well, all right, here's the question. And I, you know, it's funny because I kind of wanted to almost answer it because I was like, I wonder if I'm right, but I'm going to see what your response is and then we'll mm-hmm. go from there. How did you develop your drum style? Because he said he can tell it apart and I think I can tell it apart pretty easily too in terms of 
if I'm listening to a metalcore band, I would say that you definitely have your own style with how you play. How would you say you developed that style? Like what bands maybe, what drummers yeah. influenced you? Well, that, you? that's what I was going to say is let's define what style is or what it means. And I think that it's where your brain goes when writing something. Um, and for me, like where I got that was from bands, was from drummers I thought were really cool and kind of pieced pieced different drummers that I liked together to form my own style. Um, there's also something like we, we can listen to a drummer and try to replicate what they're playing and it just doesn't feel good for us to play. So then like um, we won't add that to our, our style. Do you know what I mean? So for me, like some of the bigger influences were uh, Alex, the drummer from Sayosin, um, like an older alternative rock band. Um, Under Oath, Aaron, Aaron Gillespie was a massive influence for me. Just uh, as far as just hitting the drums really hard, not having the most insane parts, but just everything feels good. And that's important. That's important to not overlook. If something, Be in the glue. something makes the whole song feel really good, even if it's not complicated, that's, that's hard to do sometimes. Um, Absolutely. And then, yeah, probably Travis Barker. He's another good in- example of... He does have some insane drum parts, but he can make simple drum beats really catchy. And I think that's hard to do over and over and keep it fresh, you know, catchy, um, catchy and make, and, and to where the song still flows as well. It has to flow, be catchy. And, uh, it's not really my style to play something super technical. Like we were talking about architects earlier, like they have some very, um, cool time signatures and offbeat hits. Like, that's just not really me. I mean, I don't want to say I couldn't play it, but that's just not what feels the best for me. So, yeah, I I guess I tend to pick bands that are, or drummers that are more straightforward. Maybe um, a little more groove-oriented. Groove-oriented, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I would, one of the bands that definitely came to mind, and I I mean, I know that they're one of your favorite bands, but... Thinking about the comparison between Sayosin and how you use your hands when you play drums, um, mm-hmm. I definitely can see that, uh, you know, kind of coming together or him being a big influence. And I guess that would come uh, and tie into Travis Barker also because he was yeah. very heavy in the hands. I mean, the dude definitely has great feet, don't get me wrong. But a lot of it's his hi-hat work and stuff like that that you'd remember, which yeah. um, that first Sayosin record... I would say that that's definitely a lot of it is all those little hi-hat splash and weird cymbal sounds that Alex would throw in all the time. Yeah, it was so over the top. Like the, that um, self, was it self-titled? I think it was. Say yeah. someone like that. There's no, there's no really uh, crazy double kick. Even Travis Barker, I don't think he plays with a double kick. But yeah, his hands are just really fast and that was always... Um, enticing to me and so i practiced a lot with my hands but yeah i don't know i uh, i don't even have to go fast sometimes it just if as long as it feels good that's the most important thing it's like that one uh song that brian always has on the um when he's mixing the room what's that that jeff buckley song tones yeah It always just makes that's the, like if I could be a drummer, I would just want to play that song on drums all the time, mm-hmm. and it almost hardly has no drums. So just super <laughs> laid back and chill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
What's your favorite song to cover? This is from Kyle's Ford. Favorite song to cover? Yeah, I think you've done quite a bit of covers now. I, you've definitely gotten uh, some solid TV show theme songs out there, but um, overall, you've done a ton of songs. Um, I have. Yeah. yeah, the reason I do that is just to stay fresh. I enjoy playing drums in general, and so if I can play to another genre, another band, it's it's just fun for me. It's like a it's like how a video game is for other people out there, but. Man, I'm trying to think. I think that the um, well, my favorite one I ever did. No one likes it. So, which one was it? <laughs> it's this one that I posted it like two or three times, and no one cares. It's this 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 song called "For a Boy" by this country singer called Ray Lynn. Okay. Um, I just thought I did the coolest stuff on it. Like every part is sick. I need to but, go like I said, and watch this. Yeah. One. I'll just text it to you or something. I don't know. Sweet. Um, but then I did, I did a couple Post Malone songs that I really liked. Um, I did White Iverson was cool. I think Didn't that, that you had get some... um, like retweeted by him or something like that at one point? Yeah, I did. I think that was I did Congratulations, which was another cool one. That's uh, he reposted it and retweeted it, uh, which was cool. Yeah, yeah kind of tweeted at me and was like, we kind of went back and forth for a second, but yeah, I think he's, he's a metal guy, but yeah, I think that one was cool. That one was a fun one to play. Um, sometimes a song just comes to me, you know, yeah. just, it's just like writing music. Sometimes a song can come together in an hour and it's like your best song. And then the songs that you spend the most time on doesn't eventually come around. So, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I've, I've liked a bunch of different songs. I, I like, even I, I hesitate to post some of the, the songs I've done just because they're not what people want to hear. You know, I, I love like synth wave kind of music, like eighties pop. And I would love just playing four on the floor. I love playing the simple stuff, but I don't think anyone really cares about that. Well, I think you but mix I, it pretty well. <laughs> I think you post a good amount of, you know, and maybe you should do more of it because I know that a lot of people would love to see it, you know, but you post a good amount of th that kind of thing, maybe the 1975-esque mm -hmm. songs. And mm -hmm. then, you know, you also have your metal times, which is great. Everyone likes to hear your double kickingness. <laughs> yeah, people like the, the, the two kick drum thing. <laughs> but dude, going, going back to the 1975 drums, like that's, it's pretty, uh, it's very groovy, that band is. But there's a lot of technicality in the drums that I just can't play a lot of times. It, it sounds really? simple. It sounds simple. And it's it's just a style of drumming I've put no time into. Is it like a um, jazz-oriented style? Or what, what would you say is his thing that like, makes it so it's hard? It's funk. It's okay. funk. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. Josh Manuel is really good at stuff like that. And uh, Cody Ash. I'm Siler is good at stuff like that. It's I have put no time into it. I've put all of mine in like rock, metal, and um, like country. That's basically where I've put all of my in energy into. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. So, Your surroundings. So. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is the greatest obstacle playing drums for you? This is from Screaming Wolf. Mm. Howl. Scream. <laughs> Oh. Give me a good one. Give me a good one. There you that go. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> that was good. Uh, the biggest obstacle? 
um, would probably be when something's hard to play to have the willpower to push through and keep practicing even when it sucks, even when you're not getting it. Um, I'm just as guilty as everyone else on that. Like if, if I don't get a part down in like 30 minutes, then, oh, I can't do it. Uh, I think the, the only thing that I've tried for a while and haven't gotten and that's defeated me is like doing heel toe with both feet, but I haven't put enough time into it. You know, I'm sure if I sat down and gave it 30 minutes a day for however many days, I'm sure I could start getting it. But um, yeah, that's, that's an obstacle that um, I've let be there. Yeah, I get you, man. I'm very similar in the, in that uh, regard where if it doesn't come easy, I don't necessarily want to put as much time into it. I think that's why I like the things that I like, but it's hard. It's really hard to get the discipline to necessarily sit there for hours and work on something that you're not good at. Um, I think it takes a certain kind of person to do it. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you, there's anything wrong with you if you're not that kind of person. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think there's that many things that are wrong with me and I'm definitely not that kind of person. (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with you. There's definitely a few things wrong with me, but, you know, and <laughs> discipline is definitely one of those things. <laughs> but, hey, we're going to move on yeah. to something more fun. Zeke okay, well, yeah. asked, how long have you been into dirt bikes and motorcycles? Ooh, that sounds fun. So with this whole quarantine pandemic situation, thingamajig, I've had more time at home to do different things. And fortunately, I've had friends who have motorcycles, have dirt bikes, which I don't ride motorcycles in the road, Tucker, or anyone else, by the way. It's dangerous. Don't want to do it. Um, So we're talking about dirt bikes here. Yeah, some friends of mine have dirt bikes, and they have extras, and they let me come ride with them. And I've been doing that probably once every week or two, just going to a track and riding on a motocross track. But I – was always a fan of the sport. Always thought it was cool. Grew up watching X Games and watching Travis Pastrana and um, all that. And it was so enticing to me, but never had a bike until I was probably 19. Um, had a, an RMZ 250, it's a yellow Suzuki dirt bike. Um, so, yeah, 19. I think I sold it when I was 24. I moved from Tyler, Texas, uh, west to Fort Worth. Um, and haven't had a bike since then, but like I said, I have, have friends who let me use theirs. Very nice. That's sick. I have never ridden a dirt bike. I'm very scared too. I did mm-hmm. ride a quad for the first time, uh, when we were making our music videos last or a four wheeler oh, as you people right. referred Dude, to How them. fun are those? That was so much fun. That was super fun. Ooh, I was just getting a call from Jeff. I'll have to call him back. What a guy, yeah, Jeff. Call that guy back. Um, Tell him I said hey when you talk to him. I will. I'll say hello, Jeffrey. But, uh, yeah, dirt bikes are scary. I think I would hurt myself on them. Uh, I just, you know, I my parents were smart. When I was young and I started breaking myself on things, they were like, yeah, this is not the kid to be like, yeah, let's go have him play with chainsaws and lawnmowers mm-hmm. and dirt bikes and stuff. <laughs> They kept me away well, from sharp objects. And that was probably smart, but uh, to to go along with how long I've been doing it, so like I said, I've always been a fan of this, and I was kind of uh, upset with my parents for never buying me a dirt bike because I was extremely passionate about it. I would always talk about it. 
I would put, <laughs> I mean, every kid does this, but you know, you put like a, a card, like a, a playing card in the spokes of your bicycle wheels. So it yeah. makes that noise. Like I was all into that sort of stuff. And my parents never bought me one. So like I said, when I was 19, I just brought one home. I was still living with my parents. I just bought a dirt bike and brought it home. Kind of rebellious. I guess I won't encourage that, but I got I would say one. It's a pretty badass move. Yeah, it was sick. I think that, uh, they kind of just went with it, which was cool. It worked out. Um, yeah, man, I've loved it, loved it for so long, and it is it is super dangerous. I just want so to get I'm, like a mini bike for my parents' neighborhood or something, but you can't drive anything in their neighborhood that doesn't have a license plate on it, which is dumb as hell. Is that a New York thing or? No, nah, it's just their it's a private neighborhood, so. Oh, uh, I whole, see. Yeah, they don't want to like have people get hurt and whatever. Well, they gotta catch. They gotta catch you first. Uh, they would have to catch me, but they can't. I'm too quick. All right, <laughs> another question for you. This is from Ben Love. Are there snare bombs on the new album, Jared? Are there new snare bombs? I'm thinking of... There's that really... Uh, I'm trying to use the right adjectives without giving things away, but that you'll know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. Uh, I think it's song four. Okay. I think. You remember? Yes. yes. There's yeah. that part oh, where yeah. the, in the demo, Carrie goes, listen here. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, there's 100% <laughs> snare bombs there. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Milwaukee on the no. <laughs> uh, I wish I wish people could hear that. Oh, man. They... I, showed that to, I showed that to our old guitar player, Justin, the other day, and he freaked. He loved it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Someday, yeah, we'll we'll leak it someday after the song's out. Green Bay on one side, Milwaukee on the other. All right, (laughs) it's so good. Insert snare bomb. Yeah, yes, Yes, there are snare bombs. There's a snare bomb. Great, but when we when we play live, we always make sure they're even more impactful. Well, I will say that. Yeah, Um, this is from Douglas Manzone. Or Douglas Calzone, as I want to call him. <laughs> What's your favorite tour meal? Favorite tour meal? Yeah. Are you spending 40 bucks at Denny's? Like, what are you doing? I do love Denny's. And Tuck, what do I get at Denny's when I go to Denny's? The country fried steak. Oh, yes, baby. Baby. Oh, get the country <laughs> fried steak. I do. There was one point, I'll call it my prime, when we were touring, when I would buy two meals and eat two meals at a time. Those were the good old days. He could really uh, carbo load back in the day. Yeah, I do love my carbs. Yeah. I do love them. Um, it's, as far as favorite meal, I'll just tell you the first thing that was brought to my mind. When we go to Europe and play Germany, they have this smorgasbord full of meats and veggies and rice and gravy it's i just eat until i'm just rolling back to the bus it's yes. so good so that's that's what uh, popped into my head at first so i'll go with that yeah if it's not late at night in denny's dude i think my favorite tour meal is um that joint in detroit um oh uh, uh, yeah the tavern yeah the tavern with the steak tips it's so good gosh what's see the, i, why I can't am I having go such there? a brain fart right now I don't know. I, I never remember. I just know it's called the something tavern. Yeah. But I know Sweetwater. Every Sweetwater. time Sweetwater. Every time we go in there, 
all I think about is you going, Tom freaking Brady. <laughs> freaking Bowie through his freaking skull. Yeah, I, yeah, there was one time I got a little too drunk and we were Tucker. at this place, Sweetwater Tavern in Detroit. The Patriots were winning the Super Bowl and I called my dad to yell at, I shouldn't say I yell at him. We were yelling with each other. And uh, I was just, yeah, I was yelling obscene things about Tom Brady, and I got a little New York with it at that time. <laughs> um, I had had. You did. It was, it was hilarious. It was so funny. I think that was it's one so, of the first <laughs> genuine exposures of the New York accent to the band, where I don't know if I had been this drunk or obnoxious yet. Uh, I think so. I don't know. I think the only other, the time before that where I saw you become New York was when we went to Stewart's and you ordered hot dogs. And you're like, excuse me, can I get some hot dogs? And I was like, <laughs> I was confused. Genuine, genuinely confused because I never heard you talk like that. And it had been months since oh we had been like, interacting with each other. It was great. And you're like, what in the hell are you doing? Um, <laughs> Basically. Wow. Do it! Well... <laughs> All right, next one. This is from my friend Mike Eamon, who just had a kid, um, and that's pretty cool. So, congrats, Mike Eamon. Um, What's the process of doing drums with Drew Folk like? What song challenges you the most live? Mm. That's a good question. Um, The way that Drew works, even outside of just doing drums, is we, we do MIDI drums, we'll do fake drums in the studio and we'll write the song using that. And that's a tool used to save time um, and, and money. Cause you're, we're, we're, we have an idea to write something versus me track it, set all the microphones up and, and do things like that. He doesn't have a space to do that. He'd have to rent out a studio. So we do MIDI drums and then we'll build a song around that. We'll do vocals and the way that our band likes to work and the way that I like to work in particular is to do the drums last. I'll do all the MIDI drums. We'll have it to where the song is completely done, and I'll come back home and track it at a studio here. So Drew doesn't technically do the um, the recording of the drums, at least for our band. I know he does for other bands, and he's insane at doing that. Um, we say we save some time and money doing it ourselves and having. Well, you also it. have a best friend who is insanely good at engineering, so that is a perk. Um, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely is great, and it's a it's something that we're able to do. Um, but yeah, Drew Drew is awesome at writing drums. He'll he'll have ideas all the time that he he'll write out using the MIDI, you know, the computer drums. And dude, he he's so fast. It's it hurts my brain watching him, you know, draw and stuff because I'm so meticulous and I'm I'm so um, specific on how I want parts to be. But Drew is great. He's great, and if something's not cool, he'll he'll tell you straight up and give you some reasons why he thinks it's the best decision to go with another option. You know, I think he's great at communicating, and I think that's an important part of being a producer and being a songwriter is communicating the right way. And he he's great at that. It's Absolutely. actually his birthday today, so happy I, birthday, Drew Falk. Yes, happy birthday, handsome Drew. Yeah, I texted him before and said um, happy day of birth. 
and whatnot. I guess Michelle has some fun things planned for him, but he doesn't know what they are. So some would say he's having some surprises today. So that's pretty awesome. Mm. But I can't wait to uh, meet the pup next go around. Oh, gosh. Good old I'm going to get my allergy stuff figured out. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, sure. Goodness. You know what, though? If we clean up a lot and keep it out of the bedroom, I think we'll be fine next go around. Mm-hmm. But... Um, all right, this is a controversial question. This is sure. from Alberto Cardenas Jr. What is your favorite and least favorite food that I have cooked for you? Favorite are the turkey burgers. Um, okay. I, I've actually started making them a lot. Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you kind of two answers for the favorite. Uh, and they're both simple, so maybe that, that won't feel as great for you, but sometimes no, simple okay. is better. Yeah. Turkey burgers are insane. Um, I couldn't believe it when I had it because I watched you make it and there wasn't much to it. But, yeah, Tuck, may, Tuck makes a mean turkey burger. That and then when you came over to my house before a tour one time and you made, like, those breakfast burritos and you, like, mm-hmm. you, uh, what do you call it? You put it back in the pan and kind of seared both sides. Yeah. Oh, man. Get I started nice to make crispy. those all the time. Mm-hmm. So those two are the first thing that come up. Like I said, I know they're not, like, the most technical thing to make. And then did he ask the worst or least yeah, favorite? Yeah, what's your least favorite thing that I've ever cooked for you? Um, dun, dun, dun. Oh, man, that's hard to think. What do I not like? I feel like I feel like we always, you always ask me if, if, if this is cool to make, and if I don't like it, I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that, yeah. and you won't make it. You know, <laughs> for, Yeah. Um, I guess it goes against the process. I'm, where I'm trying I, to think of some sort of red sauce with like weird veggies you've made, something like that. What's something that you've made? Some um, sort of pasta primavera for sure. It's probably that would make sense. Yeah, I guess that's the one difference is I don't really when I don't really I wouldn't say I dictate what we cook. I more so give you guys choices and then mm-hmm. we pick one. But we'll say that he's yeah, never disliked if- anything. That I've <laughs> but even if I even if I didn't like anything that he made, it's like that's shouldn't be offensive. No, it's no, just no. it's subjective. One thousand percent. I know I'm getting yeah. bored of my own cooking over here. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. 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 All right, this is from the one and only Annie. All right, if you were invited to play one song on stage with the 1975, what song would it be? It depends. Do I want to cry? Do I want to be happy? Do Would I it be want... hard to cry and drum? Uh, no. It depends on the song. Yeah. <laughs> There's the... Um, would you repeat the question? I want to make sure I'm getting this right. This is an important question, and it's from an important person. If you were invited on stage with the 1975 to play just one song with them, so one 1975 song, what song would it mm-hmm. be? I spit no not chocolate. Uh, it's gotta be a song I would play well, you know, and I'd really be able to excel on. This is an important question. <laughs> I smell yeah. like chocolate. It would not be that song. Chocolate. Um, it would not be that song. Um Man, that's a tough one. What what's that one? I, I like uh, I don't think it's called Love It If We Made It. <laughs> yeah. I like, uh, I think Settle Down is probably my favorite song ever. 
So I'll, I'll have to go with that one. Cool. It would be a, it would be a surreal experience. Very sick. It's super super sick. You would mm-hmm. have a great time. Maybe someday. Maybe you never know. That would be cool. I actually thought about that today before uh, we got on this podcast. Was um, they have a new song that they just put out? I think that you would like it too. It's called um, "If You're Too Shy." Ooh. Um, the drums are very fun in that one. Simple, simple but fun, and uh, the mix is really cool. It's pretty. It's pretty eighties, and it's if you if you were a fan of that band towards the beginning of them starting, then this is like your song. And I've been a, a fan of theirs for a long time. So it's it's got the three main factors. It's got sick guitar riffs. It has um, it's upbeat and. Uh, I guess more poppy, and then it has a saxophone solo. So obviously, it has everything. Dude. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it rips. I will have to check this out. That sounds awesome. Me too. Yeah. Um, I heard someone told me the other day that Phoebe Bridgers is on a 1975 song. Is that on? Mm-hmm. Are they putting out a new record, or is that on a previous released record? Their album comes out on the 22nd of this month. So in three weeks from today. Very nice. Um, and Phoebe Bridgers is on the song. Let me see what song it is. It doesn't say in the song title that she is on it, uh, but she is on. Uh, what song is it? Um, I believe it's Jesus Christ 2005. God bless America is the song title. What an amazing song title! It's amazing. Yeah, and it's it's. I think you would like that song as well. It's it's acoustic. Nice. But the the song topic or the the lyrics are cool and um yeah I've always been a fan of the way that their singer writes lyrics. It's always very vulnerable and very um, straightforward. Like they're honest, very honest lyrics in a very poetic way. Yeah, it seems like he doesn't. He's got an odd filter. Seems like he's, mm-hmm. you know, it, you feel like every song that you listen to of theirs is coming straight out of his memory bank, um, mm-hmm. or that it's something that he's really feeling at the moment. Um, so that, yeah, what a guy! Mm-hmm. He is uh, definitely making, uh, a, you know, like a kind of a generation of his own. Dude is so damn good, and so many people want to play like the 1975, and no one can sound like them. It's yeah, insane. I mean, I think I think that's what's pretty crazy about. Their, their latest song that I was telling you to go listen to, If You're Too Shy. Uh, that one is is like old, it's an older song or older feeling song from them, but no band could do it. I don't understand. It's, it's weird because when you hear the parts, you're like, oh, definitely someone could write like that. But I think there's something about the way that, um, something about not just the music, but the way that he uses rhythm in his vocals. That's so unique. I think that's what it is. Yeah, he has very in uh, inflections in his words too. I think it's interesting thinking about a singer like him and Post Malone becoming so popular around the same time. Where, to me, they both have a very um, similar thing to give to the listener, where it's like this kind of unique emotional vibrato technique, mm-hmm. and just so yeah, I don't know. We're lucky that we get to listen to such cool artists all the time, and I will have to give myself to this new album a little bit 
Because I'll, I'll be honest, I, I don't listen to them too often. I guess primarily mm-hmm. just when I'm with you. But, right. Yeah. And it's they're one of those bands, and I'm, I'm sure you have those for me as well, but they're a band I try not to play as often as I want to because I'm like, I could listen to them probably on repeat for, you know, every oh, yeah. drive that, that we're on. But I'm trying to, I try not to play the same bands over and over and over. It's okay. I'm pretty sure everyone listened to me sing Devil and God by brand new <laughs> 5,000 times before that got canceled. So, you know, I used oh, no. to, I just, yeah, I have like this one memory of me driving in the early morning for us to go to Universal for the first time and Levi's in our van. And, mm-hmm. you know, he just like wakes up and he's just like, yeah, dude, you sound good. And I'm like, yeah, fuck, everyone is sleeping. And I'm just up here like singing super emo shit. <laughs> oh god good times yeah but you know i hate that band that band sucks now that's what i'm I'm supposed to say you don't believe that at all dude they're a great band it's isn't it weird how late i got into that band you started you started uh hearing me jam uh jesus christ You know, I think that more people would have continued to get into that band to some extent because their latest record was phenomenal. And even, you know, a friend of mine listened to Daisy the other day and was just like, man, I I never gave this record a real chance and it's so damn good. But Mm -hmm. frankly, everything they did was so damn good. And he just maybe necessarily didn't make good life choices. Um, Yeah. But I mean, we're not. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I feel we're, like we could have a whole podcast <laughs> just on that. Maybe I will someday. I probably will. I'll just vent to everybody oh, how I actually <laughs> feel about what happened to Brand New, and mm-hmm. you know how much it hurt my soul because I'm sadly a fanboy. But luckily, the 1975 are doing incredible things for people and for people's rights, and they really seem to be ahead of the curve when it comes to. Offering a, a genuine and sincere perspective on how to be a good person in today's society. So I do appreciate what Maddie does and the image that he upholds because he just mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be overdoing it and he doesn't seem to be underdoing it. I would say he's perfect porridge. The guy yeah, I is think just that, I think living that the, most contra- yeah. the most controversial thing that he's done. Um, and this, I guess it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, on this, but I think it was in Dubai. There was a, a guy in the front of the stage. I'm sorry, there was a guy in the crowd in the front by, by the um, barricade. And I don't know how this came to, to be, but they, like, kissed each other during the concert. And I, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure this was in Dubai, but, like, like homosexuality is illegal there. Yeah. And so their band, their band is banned from playing there ever again. And, and Maddie made a statement. He was like, you know, I'm not gay. I thought he was attracted. He thought I was attracted. We kiss each other. That was it. You know what I mean? I think that there's so much weight put on that. And like I said, no matter what anyone believes in that, it's just like, that's the most controversial thing he's done. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading about that and I think it's super cool. Um, and that he's willing to, I mean, it's not like he needs to go play Dubai all the time to make a bunch of money. I think the guy's doing okay. 
So, <laughs> you know, I think it's mm-hmm. nice when someone is willing to sometimes set a precedent and stand up for something that they believe in. But dude's just cool. I wish I could look like him yeah. and act like him and be cool like him. Instead, I'm this short, stumpy, bald, <laughs> thumb-looking creature. <laughs> no, dude. No, you're a handsome young man. You're Thank strong. You, strong like bull. Strong like bull. Dude, well, I'm, I'm nothing like him either, but I am... Uh, it's weird. I'm, like, more of a bro than anything. But, like, yeah, Maddie's so feminine and, like, wear the dress sometimes. Like, that's real weird to me. But yeah. you do you, man. I, mean, I, I don't it. care. Yeah. I wish I could pull it off. I think um, I would just look a little stumpy in a dress, but maybe I'll have to try it out. That could be a good yeah, next Halloween time. Try it. Yeah, I mean, I did start wearing girls' pants when I was younger, so maybe that's next time mm-hmm. for me. You know, yeah. I've always been a fan. Maybe that's why my booty looks so good, though. Honestly, <laughs> your booty looks so good, though. So good, though. <laughs> but all right, dude. Honestly, that is just about it for me. Uh, one. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything for the Fit for a King fans out there? Do I have anything? Um, well, we were talking about releasing another song, so hopefully you guys will get that sooner than later. We, we want to give it to you real soon. Um, but it's it's a good one. It's, it's a heavy one. So be on the lookout for that. Um, thanks for sticking around and listening to our music, even though like you're not able to come to our concerts or we're not able to perform for you. We've, we've uh, seen a lot of support, you know, via, like I said, listening to us and, and buying merchandise, all that stuff really does help. And um, to everyone who has contributed to the, um, the money we're raising for our crew members. Thank you so much. Like we, uh, I mean, I've personally donated to them as well, but like, obviously I can't, I can't pay for everyone, but thank you for, uh, thank you for doing that. That helps them out a lot in a, in a time where they, you know, don't have anything else to turn back on. So yeah, I appreciate that. Dude. Hell yeah. And that is uh, it's nice that Spotify put that up and gave that opportunity for everybody to, put towards their crew and uh you know especially now i feel personally like you put me on blast because i just heard that you donated so now i'm gonna have to donate to our own crew as well Um, especially because i know man it's so rough for some of these guys just hearing about how hard it is to get unemployment and you know because it's not like everyone that works in a crew is just like oh i got laid off from my job i can get unemployment these guys do random work all throughout the years like work at two different venues plus spend you know six months with us on the road so it's really tough for these guys to be able to you know find a way to make ends meet but um it is a cool thing that spotify offered up i know today on Bandcamp, if you buy any records well now when this airs it'll already be done but for you personally jared if you're bored on Bandcamp, i know any record that you buy goes directly to the artist which is pretty cool but I didn't know that. That is sick. Yeah, it's a pretty neat thing to offer. There's also mm-hmm. a cool new, uh, another cool new Tooth and Nail band that's not offered minivan, even though our record is dropping on May 15th. And I hope that everyone will listen to it. There's a band called Tiger One. If you want to listen to uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of screamo emo stuff today, if you get bored, it's pretty cool. You might like it. And for everyone that's I listening like, to this podcast, I like screamo emo. Screamo emo. And yeah, for everyone that's listening, go listen to the new Tiger Wine record. But Jared, 
I think that's it, man. That's all I got for you. Hang on one second so I can uh, properly say goodbye to you off the air. But I love you and thank you for being on my show. I appreciate you getting tucked. And, uh, you know, I hope everyone got to learn a little bit more about Fit for a King today. And thanks for starting this damn band in the first place. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Well, guys, I'm Jared and I just got tucked. Ooh, baby. Yeah. (laughs) All right, my man. Thank you, brother. Yeah, dude. See ya. All right, everybody, that was episode four with Jared Easterling, and we have now covered all members of Fit for a King. If you have any questions, anything that we missed, you can always email me at gettuckthepodcast at gmail.com. If you have a song that you would like me to play on the show like I did for Gassed Up tonight, you can also send it to me there. I love listening to new stuff. It may take me a little bit, but I promise I will get to it. Um... It, you know, it gets a little hard sometimes, not difficult in a way that's frustrating, um, but just to sit there and listen to every submission may take a little while, is all I'm trying to say. It's not actually difficult. I'm very lucky that people want to send me their music and want me to listen to it because I love music and it makes me happy. So thank you. Coming up next week, we have Evan Garcia Renart, and he is the drummer of Off-Road Minivan, and he's also my best dude. I love this guy. I'm going to approach Off-Road just a little bit differently than I did Fit for a King. And I'm also going to give you all four episodes in one week. They will be coming out the week of May 10th, which is our album release week. If you haven't yet, please go pre-save Swan Dive on Spotify and Apple Music. It would mean the world to me, and it would also mean the world to my band. So if you get a chance, please do that. It's been really nice to be able to put this show together for you guys, and I thank you for listening. Please continue to tune in, and next week I'll be back with four new episodes all about Off-Road Minivan. And then we get past all my bands, and we get to the good stuff. So thank you guys. I love you, and I hope you're well. Take care.
Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast.